Hello to all of our listeners and welcome to the Property Insights Podcast by Select Property Group. I'm Amber Fur, joining you from our Dubai office and today I'm joined by Ed Howe, Insights Manager from Manchester-based research and insights platform Urban Bubble. So Ed, thank you so much for joining me today. No worries, good to be here. Um, and how is Manchester? Uh, it's looking quite sunny today, to be fair. Is it? Quite a bit warmer than the time of year, I would have thought. I'm just waiting for the uh, for the winter to come and then we'll all be miserable, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's always a bonus when it's still sunny in Manchester. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so before we start then, do you want to just give our listeners a bit of an introduction to Urban Bubble um, and maybe a bit of background as to sort of why this regular report on Manchester's property market came about? Uh, yeah, no problem. So Urban Bubble has been around since about 2008. It was set up by uh, Michael Howard. He sort of saw that his building management wasn't very good and thought he could do a better job than them. So he set up this sort of block management company. But since then, that has sort of evolved into this sort of national build to rent portfolio. Uh, we signed a contract with Legal in General in 2017 and have been sort of expanding very, very rapidly with them. It's been quite a stressful a few years. But we are now a national build to rent operator. We also have our block management um, is still focused in Manchester. And so where, where I fit in is I lead the, the research function. It started off where we knew that we knew Manchester really, really well, sort of like the back of our hand. But because we were expanding into these other cities, I think it was Bath first and then Bristol, Leeds, Birmingham. We wanted to know those cities as well as we know Manchester. So I was brought in to sort of do the background research, socioeconomic data and all that sort of stuff to really get to know these cities before we set up our uh, these new build to rent communities um, in these okay. places and as to the the Manchester report during COVID obviously in those early early sort of days of COVID everything was very much up in the air and people were making all sorts of predictions about oh you know the city centres are going to die out and nobody's going to want to live in build to rent apartments in city centres anymore so the report came about I actually offered to do it and to this day, I don't know why, because it was a heck of a lot of work. Every week, I would put together this sort of weekly report for Manchester, but also for other cities, just looking at rental trends, supply, demand, all that sort of stuff to give us internally, as in Urban Bubble, a much clearer view over actually what was happening. We've always been about sort of being data led. And during COVID, I think that came out more so than ever. But then our clients started to express a bit of an interest in those kinds of reports. And so I said, well, let's flesh it out. Let's do it properly. Let's do a big report on it and we can start making some money from it, but also generate leads and sort of really advertise the work that we can do on a national scale. So that's where the Manchester report came from. And I think we are looking to expand it into other cities, but obviously Manchester, we know it really well. And we just wanted to start with, with that really. Yeah. Okay, great. And from my perspective, I'm also so glad that you started doing this um, because the reports are so insightful. You know, there's not really anything like it that for any other city, I don't think, as sort of thorough or detailed as your Urban Bubble Manchester reports. So what we're going to talk about today then, um, we're going to go into the Q3 review. So as we sort of embark on the final quarter of the year, I have no idea how we're in October. But we're going to be reviewing the latest quarterly report, so Q3. And then we're also going to be talking a little bit about, you know, expectations and market trends for the rest of the year. Perfect. Before we get stuck into the Q3 report, do you want to just give us a bit of an overview of Manchester's property market and how it's performed this year? Um, and perhaps how that's aligned with your expectations? 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, average rents uh, are up on average 15.1% in the Manchester rental market. And that rises to nearly 21% uh, when you're looking at two bed apartments, which is absolutely astounding. And I yeah. think two years ago, when the city and, and the sort of nationwide rental market was really kind of in the doldrums, I don't think we would ever expected this kind of growth. But Starting from from about September last year, we saw this sort of astronomical increase in demand, and it was, it was caused by various different factors, um, which I'll probably go into later. And from September last year onwards to now, we've had this dwindling amount of availability in the, in the rental market. There's never been more than a thousand vacant rental properties available on the market in Manchester over the last 12 months. Um, and that actually fell to 360 in August. So to put into context, if a renter, if a prospective renter looked on Rightmove in Manchester in August, they would have only found 360 properties total to rent. That's now risen to 363, but we're still seeing this, this huge fall in the amount of supply. And this is a nationwide thing. So we, we've seen it in other cities, but it, it does seem to be a lot more acute in Manchester. And our letting teams will tell you that a lot, the, the majority of properties are, are going within hours of being put on the market. And that, that's, a, that's a sort of a maximum amount of time. There's bidding wars happening and all, that, all this sort of stuff. And really there's categorised certainly over the last few months with rising interest rates, which are pushing would-be buyers into renting. So they keep people being kept into the rental market. But also we've got increased government legislation has been put on landlords which means that a few of them, or certainly a great deal of them, have pulled out of the market altogether. So while you've got increasing demand on one end, you've also got this sort of declining amount of supply, and that is pushing up rents to, to record levels. Every single month of the last 12 years, we have recorded a new record high for rents in central Manchester. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, this supply and demand imbalance that really is sort of underpinning the, the property market nationwide. Mm. Um, you know, amidst all this sort of economic turbulence that we're experiencing at the moment. Yeah. You know, why is Manchester such a hotspot? What is this, what's driving this supply and demand imbalance, particularly in this city? Is it simply that construction can't keep pace with the expanding population? Or is there, is there more to it than that? I think it is a bit of that. So we, for the last few years, I think a lot of developers and potential investors look at the number of homes that are being built in Manchester. We've had there's 15,000 that are under construction right now, and there's about 40,000 have actually completed construction over the last decade. There's astounding numbers, and there's a further 50,000 that are proposed. So a lot of our clients kind of look at those statistics and think, wow, you know, where's all this? Where, where's the demand? That's too much supply. Surely there's going to be a yeah. huge amount of properties just, you know, waiting on the market and not being yeah. let. So starting from a few years ago, we started to actually look at like jobs, how many jobs are being created. And consistently what we find time and time again is that the number of jobs being created in Manchester far, far exceeds the number of homes actually being delivered. So there's wow, that okay. been going on since before the pandemic. But then also, I think since the pandemic or since sort of summer 2021, what our lettings teams have been reporting is that there's a lot of people that are moving from London to Manchester. Obviously, since the pandemic, people are able to work more remotely. And I think what people are doing is they're taking their London wage and London yeah. is becoming really, 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 really unaffordable and everything. And then they're moving to Manchester, which is sort of still a very, very dynamic city, still a very, very cool city to be in, but yeah. ultimately much, much cheaper than London. 
And that, I think, might also explain why rents are being pushed up, because they obviously have a much higher purchasing power than sort of yes. someone that is local to Manchester. And therefore, yeah. we're seeing rents climb even higher than they otherwise would do. There's a lot of different factors at play, but I think that is potentially one of the key reasons, certainly over the last 12 months, why we've, why we've seen a lot of demand. Absolutely. And I think with HS2 coming in, that's only going to sort of emphasise that trend, isn't it? Whether it's Birmingham or Manchester, I think for the first time for millions of people, I know you touched on the flexible working aspect, but for millions of people, you know, both through COVID and indeed soon HS2, I think it will put Manchester and Birmingham on the map as a commuter hotspot, as you say, for these, for these Londoners wanting to keep their jobs and their London salaries. So Manchester population then. You know, it's, it's rising at twice the rate of the national average, which mm-hmm. I just find astounding. Um, but I was also really shocked at the population figures for central Manchester in your latest mm-hmm. report. So in 2020, there were over 169,000 people living in central Manchester. That number was up 3% compared to a year earlier, so 2019, and up 47% since 2010. So in 10 years, central Manchester's population grew by 47%. So I think by now, by 2022, we can probably safely say it would have increased by 50% since 2010. Mm-hmm. At least. And yeah, absolutely. And what proportion of these people living in central Manchester actually rent their properties? And the latest figures that we have are that 76% of people rent their home and um, 24% own their home. But I will also add um, the data for central Manchester that we include in our report actually includes places like Salford Keys and parts of Hume as well. So it's quite a broad definition of central Manchester. When you look at actually oh, just wow. the, the city centre, that kind of nucleus in the middle, we're seeing growth of 184% over the last two decades. Uh, which is obviously astounding. The population of that area was never very high or, well, it was, and then it went into decline. And then from about the 90s onwards, obviously, there's been this huge regeneration effort. And I think the air- that area now has a population of about 80,000 people, up from basically nothing at the turn of the century. So that, yeah, they're even more astounding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, I know you touched before as well on two-bed apartments having mm-hmm. seen, you know, a massive rental increase over the past 12 months. Firstly, what do you think the reason for that, for that increase is? Do you think it's yeah, a result of people sharing that otherwise perhaps wouldn't have done? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely that. I think as rents for one-bed apartments, so now an average one-bed apartment now in the city centre is over £1,000, whereas even just a year ago, it was kind of 850 And then wow. before that, you know, 500 600 maybe. So it's kind of doubled in the last sort of, I'd say, five years. And I think so where, where you had a whole market of people that were able to maybe sort of rent their own one bed flat a few years ago, those people are now being pushed into renting two beds. And it's kind of it's interesting because Manchester City Council have had this policy of promoting two beds and discouraging studios and one beds for years and years and years. And it, it seems as though is finally starting to pay off. Because I'd say okay. about 60, 60 to 70% of the apartments that you see on the market in uh, Manchester city centre are two beds. And it's always felt like too much. You know, before COVID, there was always this huge mm-hmm. amount of two beds. And we always had an issue of sort of shifting them off the market. But now we're kind of seeing them come into their own. 
twos and yeah. threes yeah they're, they're perfect for people renting and with three beds and they're quite popular with people who share share their home but also want a sort of a spare room for kind of an office yeah. home office and yeah. things like that especially since covid um so it's yeah. quite interesting seeing the, these unit types come into their own a little bit over the last year Absolutely. And do you think that's sort of a result as well of the affordability crisis, you know, perhaps rising energy bills, if people are sharing, you know, if they're in the same sort of living space in the mm -hmm. evenings, um, you know, that's bound to have a positive effect, isn't it, in bringing down their energy bill? I think so. Yeah, I think that that's probably a really good point. I, I've just started renting a two bed flat and I think the energy bills, energy bills are ridiculously high. But I think if I'd have been on my own, I wouldn't have been able to manage it. But luckily, you know, I'm splitting it with my friends. So so that's yeah. fine. But I think that that's definitely going to be the case for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I first moved to Manchester, actually. Um, so obviously I'm now based in Dubai, but two years ago, I moved to Manchester actually during the pandemic and I moved in with three other friends. Um, it was very kind of cramped, but I think actually there's, there was a trend at the time and probably still is. People don't really want to be on their own as much. No. I think, you know, we had we had such a big period of time where we had no choice but to sort yeah. of be alone and isolate, etc. I think people are quite happy now to be more social. Um, yeah. But also, I think with the types of apartments, these build to rent apartments that we're seeing with, you know, amazing amenity space, a gym, co-working space and private mm -hmm. dining rooms people really are seeing the full building as an extension of their individual apartment. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of not as intense, is it, living with someone? No, you're right. And you, if, you, if it all gets too much, you can just sort of go up to the roof space and... Yeah, exactly. And that sort of stuff, yeah. And I yeah. completely agree. And, 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 and I, I'm the same. I did think about living on my own, but then I realised, actually, I've never lived on my own. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. I've always lived with friends or ex-girlfriends or whatever. And I don't yeah. think I'm ready to uh, live on my own just yet. Definitely not. <laughs> no, absolutely. I know that. So after that year, I then moved in on my own in Manchester mm -hmm. and I ended up getting a kitten. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, You substitute flatmates for pets. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I also think, you know, as we touch, touch on those Londoners that might be moving for more affordable rent here, mm -hmm. they would also find those kind of amenities incredible, you know, compared yeah. to what they would probably be used to. Absolutely. In those sort of zones three and four yeah. of London. Yeah, if you're renting a, a one-bed flat in London and you're paying 1500 and then you go to Manchester and that can get you a two-bed flat probably in a really, really nice centrally yeah. located development, I can see why people are doing that. Obviously, you would do that. It makes complete sense, definitely. Absolutely. And to still be <laughs> able to commute to their office in central London yeah. in probably the same amount of time. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So, Good yeah. point. Okay, so for our listeners then, who might not have invested in Manchester before, what do achieved rents look like at the moment? Um, you know, specifically on build-to-rent apartment, and how does that return differ depending on number of bedrooms? Uh, yeah, so uh, with I've written down some little notes here. With the average build-to-rents in Manchester at the moment range from about one thousand one hundred for a one bed up to one thousand nine hundred twenty-five for a three bed. So that's the latest from September that we have. Uh, but okay. we have seen some schemes are achieving up to one thousand eight hundred for one beds and up to three thousand two hundred for three beds, wow. uh, which was inconceivable um, even yeah. just a few years ago. But but again, it's these schemes that have a lot of amenity space. Um, there's one scheme in particular that has a football pitch on the roof, and that seems to be attracting the highest rents in the city at the moment um, wow. but it's that kind of like living as part of a lifestyle 
Um, yeah. But also because uh, there are a lot of people that are now going back to the office, but I think there's still a large market of people that are working from home. And so where, yeah. as before, your home was only really somewhere that you spent between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m., if that, now for a lot of people, it is somewhere that you spend your entire day. So I think yeah. there's people that are willing to spend a little bit more to spend their day in somewhere that is actually just really, really nice and doesn't yeah. you know, stress them out because of how filthy it is or that they're sharing their flat with mice that don't pay rent. Yeah. Um, and, I think, I think, and with with things like amenities and having a gym on site and a swimming pool and all that, it's all about well-being and things like that. And I, I, yes. it's those schemes that are driving the highest rents currently. Okay, great. So let's talk about then why Manchester is attracting so many renters to live mm-hmm. and work. I know you touched on the incredible job market. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's, I think, 85 now out of the top 100 FTSE companies have a presence in Manchester. You know, there's such an incredible city centre with the most amazing food, you know, nightlife, um, mm-hmm. art scene. Yeah. It really is such an incredible city. And I think if you haven't been there, it's quite perhaps difficult especially to sort of envisage that. And I think there's quite an outdated view now that, you know, you get past the Midlands and, you know, the North isn't very nice, but it, it's, it's not true at all, is it? You know, Manchester is yeah. such an incredible city. And even going back there two weeks ago, you can just feel such a Mancunian sense mm. of pride. You know, you can see the sort of emblem of the worker bee everywhere. You can see local street art. It really is such an amazing city um, and entirely deserves its term as the capital of the North, in my biased opinion. (laughs) Um, But what else other than that sort of, you know, I mean, I know I listed a lot of things there, but what else other than that job market and the sort of attractive lifestyle that it offers young renters, Mm. what else is bringing people into Manchester? I think, I think you've nailed it. The city has really kind of embraced its personality in, in the last few years. I think it, when you look at any great world city, whether it's New York or Sydney or London or Paris, they all have a very, very unique personality. And they don't just yeah. copy other cities in order to gain that personality. They own their history and their existing yeah. culture. And I think maybe Manchester didn't do that enough in the past. Maybe we, we didn't embrace it enough. But now I think with the, the B symbol and all of the, you know, the music and culture and even just yeah. our industrial history, because also I think maybe in the 90s, 80s and 90s, all of those sorts of industrial warehouses were all sort of derelict and you know, they weren't yeah. very, very loved because they just looked ugly. Whereas now there's a lot of effort that has gone into sort of making them beautiful again. Yeah. And people are beginning, yeah. beginning to say, oh, actually, wow, this is something I'm really, really proud of. You know, these mills are really beautiful. You've got areas like Ancoats that have come from nothing, even just five yeah. years ago, to being very, very vibrant neighbourhoods that people actually want to spend time in and it's all part of that. And, but also I think Manchester's location is quite unique. Um, you have this city that is, as we've discussed, two hours away from London on the train, but also you've got Birmingham, Leeds, Sheffield, Liverpool, and then Glasgow and Edinburgh are all sort of equidistant from each other. So whereas London isn't really, I don't think, in the centre of the country, Manchester is. If, you, if you're a business and you want to make the most of the UK market, Manchester is the perfect place. You can get to virtually any major city in the UK from Manchester within about three hours. And then if you want to go to Belfast, it's a quicker flight than it is from London and Dublin as well. But also the airport itself, 
I was just going to say that. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's the third largest in terms of passenger volume in the UK. You can get to any continent from there. It has a huge range of destinations. And I think that that is probably one of the biggest things that has lifted Manchester and sort of really given it a USP from the other regional cities over the last few years is that business connectivity. That's got to be a big part of it. But yeah, other than that, it's this city that is is almost embraced its personality. And I think that's really good to see. And and when you have a city like that, that is confident in its own skin, it'll just attract, you know, businesses, it'll attract people. And and that's that's just exactly what has happened. It's almost the culmination of sort of like a tipping point of all of the the, uh, regenerative efforts that have gone into Manchester over the last 30 years. We're starting to see that that vision that yes. of Manchester in the late 90s, that is starting to come to life now in a really big way. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. And I know you mentioned Ancoats there, but I can't not mention the Northern Quarter as well. You know, yeah. when you talk about the sort of character and personality of the city, you know, and you touched there on the sort of Edwardian mills and the Victorian warehouses, which you're right, they used to sort of be a bit of an eyesore maybe Mm -hmm. you know sort of 10-15 years ago but now they're really celebrated and and they make some of the best music venues or you know cafes or restaurants etc so they really have sort of enhanced and utilized those features to sort of play on the city's industrial history as you mentioned as well definitely and again with both the northern quarter and ancoats since covid happened these areas, they closed a lot of the streets to cars which meant that they they've been opened up to human beings so you've had sort of restaurants and bars have spilled out into the streets and and it's all might maybe it's a bit of a cliche but it, it makes it seem more european and but people yeah. like that people like walking down a street and having lots of restaurants and bars spilling out and it makes it feel safer i think as well because if you've got study planning it's, it's natural surveillance eyes on the street all that all that sort of stuff but it just feels more yeah. vibrant you start to think oh wow this is a place that i actually kind of want to aspire to live in and I think that's what has become of sort of Ancoats and the Northern Quarter. And that yeah. could go a lot further, I think, in the coming years. There's, there's loads of amazing little back alleys and, and that sort of stuff. It's a city that you can very much get lost in. And, despite and hope, it being quite small. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Despite it being quite small, these, lots of these little streets that you can just have a little wander down. And I hope that in the coming years, they'll open up more streets to human beings in the city centre because... Yeah. There is unending amount of potential. If you look at places like Melbourne, where they have their, um, I think it's just called the lanes in Melbourne, where they've, they have done that. They've closed off a lot of the back alleys to cars and all of these bars and things spill out into the street. That's exactly the sort of thing that Manchester could and should be doing, I think. Yeah. I completely mm. agree. I think mm. at the moment it's Cutting Room Square, isn't it, in Ancoats? Yes. It has sort yes. of Rudy's um, and all those yeah. amazing bars and restaurants and actually Manor, the Michelin star. But yeah. then also Stevenson Square in Northern Quarter. But yeah, I completely agree. There's such a nice feel of community there. And as mm-hmm. you touched on, I think it's, it's so nice that the council sort of listened. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they trialled it during the pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. closing down those areas for cars. But because it sort of changed the way that people were interacting with the city and indeed sort of encouraged that sense of community, they did decide to, to make that a permanent feature. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so I know we just touched on two of the sort of residential hotspots, so Ancoats and the Northern Quarter. And just on that as well, um, I know we spoke about these mills and warehouses. A lot of those were also converted, weren't they, into being apartments. Mm -hmm. Um, And while I think, you know, they make incredible homes with a lot of character and and a great charm, 
Yeah. They probably do lack in sort of quality and desired layouts with them mm-hmm. not being built from the ground up with the renter in mind. But I think the great thing is that we are starting to see more and more build to rent schemes popping up, you know, around these areas that are accommodating people who are looking for that flexible, you know, amenity filled space. Yeah. But there's still, I think with the Northern Quarter in particular, you know, there's quite a limited amount of land, isn't there, to build on. Yeah. Because it's such a historical area. So, yeah, I think the Northern Quarter and Ancoats are definitely residential hotspots from an investment perspective with them being so popular for all the reasons we just discussed, but also with that sort of limited supply of land. Mm-hmm. Are we sort of seeing, I know select property group, um, <laughs> this is not me sort of shoehorning in my sales approach, just, but just plug um, it, plug it, plug it. It's yeah, fine. just to throw it in. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, we, we do have a development coming soon, um, okay. which I can't really say uh, too much more about. <laughs> um, but is there... One, one Port Street, is it? Sorry. Maybe, it could oh, be. Okay. Um, it is one port street yes but you know that is there sort of other developments popping up around that area or is it quite unique to have new build to rent products in that part of the city it it is it is really unique because as as you said there really isn't that much land to go off in what you would call maybe the traditional northern quarter Um, but if you look just to the south of where the select property scheme is that's the area called uh, which the council has dubbed Piccadilly East, which is we've mentioned HS2. That is the area that the council sees as being a massive opportunity area. So there's a lot of new homes being built in that area, which will probably become its own sort of district, just like Ancoats in the Northern Quarter. But in in the Northern Quarter itself, there's really not that much new build at all. But apart from that, really nothing. But then with Manchester, I think because of its industrial history. You ended up with a lot of derelict land surrounding the city centre, which yeah. has sort of been, been dubbed the, uh, the donut of dereliction. It literally surrounded the city centre at one point. Um, okay. And it's that area that is now being filled up with new residential developments, office, hotels, whatever. If you look at, uh, I, I run this development map for Manchester, and if you look at that, there is definitely a, a ring of development around the city centre, around this yeah. historic city centre, uh, which is now seeing... The, the city centre sort of expand into with all of these new yeah. schemes and new neighbourhoods and things like that. Ancoats is part of it. New Cross is going to be a new area. Uh, we've seen Salford rise up to become the fastest growing city in the UK over the last 10 years, according to the latest census. Um, wow, and I think okay. that that's just going to continue over the next few years. You're going to see these cool new areas popping up all over the place that you yeah. maybe haven't even heard of before. They just become really, really cool areas that everybody wants to go and live in. Uh, that's probably just yeah. going to continue, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've sort of seen that with areas like Embankment West as well, mm-hmm. like cr- the Crown Street developments. So, you know, the mm-hmm. sort of Great Jackson Street framework, yeah. you know, all of these kind of master plan areas where, you know, they we, well, yeah, developers sort of work on creating a community, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a, adding a school or a GP or restaurants and cafes, they really do want to create a sense of community yeah. in, like you say, these sort of outskirt areas. But I guess the charm and the beauty of the Northern Quarter and of the sort of city centre developments, you know, near Spinning Fields or along the canal, they really do retain that sort of historical uniqueness. Yeah, so, and with having, having more people living in the surrounding area where there used to be derelict land, it just means that these areas, Northern Quarter and all that sort of stuff, can thrive even more. Yeah, you get absolutely. more people living within walking distance of them. Um, yeah. So it's going to be good for the whole city, really. Okay, so you touched on earlier how, you know, some people look at the numbers of construction and see how many new developments are popping up in Manchester. 
mm-hmm. can initially seem a little bit concerned that they're, you know, that the supply might catch up with the demand. Yeah. But you mentioned as well that there isn't sort of risk of that at all because, you know, the population is increasing so rapidly that it's still, you know, virtually impossible for the supply to catch up. But another thing, I think some investors who, you know, might just drive past Manchester or see pictures or read news stories of Manchester, something that's very prominent and can't be avoided is the amount of cranes <laughs> that you can see at the moment, the amount of construction um, and scaffolding, etc. Mm-hmm. But something that is really important to note is that all of these cranes and all of this mass regeneration, it's not all residential, is it? A lot no. of this is sort of going into making Manchester a better place to live. Yeah, you're completely right. I, I think it's almost apartments steal the show. Whenever anybody yeah. talks about regeneration in Manchester, whenever you see it in, in the national news or even the local news, everybody's just talking about how many apartments are being built. Whereas I think it's actually quite important to focus on there's so many other things being built in Manchester as well. There's 4.1 million square foot of office spaces completed in the city over the last 10 years. And there's another million square foot under construction like right now. Um, there's loads okay. of hotels being built. There's loads of cultural institutions being built. There's loads of parks being built. There's lots of other things that are happening in the city. And I think they all feed into each other. So if there's loads yeah. of offices being built and then they're being filled with companies, which they are, that will drive or is driving demand for residential. Yeah. It's, it's almost like this cycle, really. We're not just building loads of homes and hoping they get filled. We're building loads of homes because they are being filled by companies that are moving to these brand new offices that we're building. Um, and that's just, I think that's just really important to mention as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay, amazing. So Ed, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm sure that conversation would have proven really useful for our investors. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. And for those listening, you can subscribe on your platform of choice. We are on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts.